Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to a brand new edition of Freedom Books, Flowers in the Moon, the podcast brought to you each week by the Times Literary Supplement. My name is Stig Abel, the editor of the TLS. Alongside me to discuss recommendations for summer books is the ever-wintry Thea Lenarduzzi, who is an expert on holiday reads because she spends almost half of the year on holiday. Don't shake your head, Thea, on holiday. Outrageous. And just not true. When's your next holiday? <laughs> I don't have to answer that. <laughs> is it within the next month? It's on Friday. <laughs> it's on Friday? It's actually on Friday. How, how long for? Uh, I'm back on Wednesday. Oh, where are you bright going? Bright and early. Portugal. Oh, lovely. And you just you just came back from... <laughs> Don't have to answer that. No, just came back from a long holiday somewhere a bit further away. Uh, make sure you're subscribing to the TLS and this podcast and do give us a review if you can. We've got a review here. Hayatma from Australia has been in touch to call this podcast insightful and cognitively enlightening which is nice, but she says she can't afford a subscription as she is a student, but we do do special offers for students. And if any are listening, including Hayatma, email me at stig.able at the-tls.co.uk and I will make sure you are looked after properly. This week... We reflect on TLS contributors' thoughts on summer readings, normally a combination of the cerebral and the very cerebral, and we'll give you some recommendations of our own. Yes, this week is our special summer books edition. Each year we ask contributors to specify books they either have read or are intending to read this summer. A chance, as Bernadine Evaristo puts it, to think of something to read for pure pleasure. Diana Dark and Imogen Russell Williams have both gone for Emily Wilson's version of The Odyssey, which is a good book to wander around the Mediterranean with. Sam Leith has offered Don Patterson's book, The Poem, Lyric, Sign, Meter. And then, panicking that his street cred will be damaged, has coupled it with some dead Deadpool comics. Claire Loudon is humble bragging about not watching TV or using the internet, though she denies the charge and is reading about them instead. The Digital Critic and a book called Typographic Style Handbook. Meanwhile, Carlo Rivelli has gone for one of the founding texts of Chinese Taoism. 
It takes all sorts. Joining us to celebrate summer reading are Features Editor and Minister of Fun, Ros Deneen, Fiction Editor and Minister of Junketeering, Toby Lishtig, and Arts Editor and Minister of Indie Pop, Lucy Dallas. Hello. I thought they were all very polite. Hello. They were all very polite introductions. Polite, yeah. Sorry, we were sniggering in your introduction because of Thea's brilliant um, really discomfort unfair. the fact <laughs> she's going on. She goes up on it all the time. I don't think that's... It's statutory leave. It's legal. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, all I'm saying is you'll be very good at this feature, Thea, because you presumably have done quite a lot of holiday reading already this year. Yes, correct. We're going to do it in three, three things. We're going to discuss the recommendations generally. We are going to say whose suitcase we would steal to get at the books... And then we're going to recommend our own summer book choices at the end. So, first of all, the whole list. Because there's a criticism, is there not, of this type of list, which I saw on the internet about the Guardian summer books. Everyone was saying, oh, no one actually reads these sort of books. Why? Everyone would actually read Eleanor Oliphant is Going Mad, or whatever that book is called. Mm. Why is nobody recommending <laughs> that? completely fine rather than going mad. Yeah. She's fine. fine. She's fine. fine. That's the, yeah. uh, but they're said to be unrealistic. Do you think these are an unrealistic bunch of books? I think we've got to take our contributors at their word. I mean, if they're if they're saying they're going to read these things, they probably own them already. And Clive yeah. Stafford Smith is and reading Eleanor. Yeah. Exactly, it's absolutely fine. It does make you wonder mad. what yeah. they read when they're working hard. Yeah. <laughs> what you think these are still these are too cerebral? Do you the, think? No, no. But this but this is relaxation and pleasure. They're a good range. Though. I, I, oh, there Sa- is. Yeah, there's a really good range. Yeah, yeah. Sam Leith, I, I was a bit suspicious of. I've got to say. Don what? Patterson lyrics, the poem lyrics sign meter, which we've got a review coming up on, which is apparently 500 words on the theory of the poem. Do you think he's not going to read he it? He gives you his section headings, doesn't he? Yeah. Dyxis paranoia and errors in transmission or nuclear stress in the AS matrix. I'm sorry, there's no way he's reading that on a beach. We'll he's have to not. have him on the podcast at the end of the summer. <laughs> yeah, you have to test him. Yeah. Alan Jenkins, the poetry editor of the TLS, said to me, he might start it, but he won't read very much of it. <laughs> so I kind of feel... Is, is there anything in this about finishing? Did we specify that you have to no. finish oh, them? Or do, we, do you just point. have to take them and sort of dip into it's them? It's also or... what you intend to read. Oh, exactly. You may well not what you actually read intend to bring old with you. Asterix yeah. and nothing John le Carre if it's in the... Um, yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with any of it. There's, there's not. There's another list of books of titles that you buy and put in your bag but never actually get around to read. I think Ballast. maybe some... <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone, everyone else... Because they're so frightened of running out of books. Yes. Mm. You, take or, you, you, you always take sort of eight. I always take... My wife looks at me in sort of disgust. No, there's often one that gets carted around for two or three. It took me years to read Nabokov's Speak Memory. It went on five or six different holidays. And then I finally read it. And, you know, it's not it a holiday book, though, Toby, is it? Speak Memory. Densely elusive meta-autobiography. I read it in Montenegro. It was great. <laughs> great place to read it. I was really? happy with that. Yeah, fantastic. I read Mason and Dixon by Thomas Pynchon on a beach. Any harder than that, that's I think I'd have, I'd have struggled. That was, that's, quite, that's quite an accessible pinching, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, also, I, sort of, I find this idea that you, that you wouldn't want to read sort of challenging stuff when you're on holiday kind of, kind of odd, because one of the nice things about holidays is nothing else is going on, so you've sort of got the time to reflect. Mm, and the energy as well. Exactly, whereas actually sometimes after a, a hard day at the coalface and the TLS, it's, it's the less challenging stuff that I, that I want to kick back. It depends on how hot it is, though, because heat does affect one's ability to concentrate, I think. Okay. So, do you think there are some books for hot weather? Sort of, yeah, I think there might be. That's easier books. Yeah, I think I would struggle to read anything very academic if I were in a 34 degree heat. Would you be able to read, like, Claire Loudon? typographic style handbook. That is a classic TLS. It's perfect I both think, choice, I, think I, can, I can only imagine that book at a desk because I imagine it being sort of pulled down occasionally for reference rather than read cover to cover. And I think she does point out that it's more for dipping in and out of and I don't think I would 
give a corner of my suitcase to something that I only intended to dip in and out yeah. of. Like I want a solid read from start to finish. You want an actual read. And it's not, I mean, it's fiction. Does everyone take fiction on holiday? Does anyone take non-fiction? No, I take non-fiction. I'm taking yeah. both, yeah. Okay. In a way, sometimes non-fiction's a holiday from the day job for me anyway. So I, yeah, uh, as a fiction editor. Fiction yeah. editor so yeah. I, I think essays tend to be perfect for holidays as well because... They're not too long, so you can read them in single sittings. Well, we'll see in a minute what everyone is going to take for themselves. So whose suitcase do you want to steal? Lucy's breaking the rules already, so I'm not going to ask her first, because she told me she wants to break the rules. Don't ask me. So the print... I will get to you eventually, Lucy, but I think we need to establish the... (laughs) Establish the rules before you break them. Before I disrupt them. (laughs) Yeah. So the idea is pick pick someone whose book recommendations intrigue you the most. Who wants to start? Thea, go on. If I can only take one suitcase, then I would take Ruth Skurs. Okay. She chooses Tara Isabella Burton's first novel, Social Creature, and it's set in contemporary New York and centred on the rivalrous kind of female friendship immortalised in the film All About Eve. It tracks the relationship between Louise, a young, struggling, aspiring writer, and Lavinia, a sophisticated socialite. Mm. Uh, You've heard of this book? No, I haven't either, but it's only because it reminds me of the book that I am indeed taking on holiday, which I'll tell you about later. Yeah. Uh, But also Deborah Levy. She's chosen The Cost of Living, which is the second volume in her living autobiography. Uh, we, 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 we reviewed that recently. Have, have we, we already reviewed it? I missed I th- that. I think we have. No, I'm not asking you, Lucy, because you don't read the newspaper, but I, I've got a feeling we have reviewed Deborah Levy very recently. Do you like Deborah Levy? Do I we... do, I do, yes. Can I steal something from someone else's suitcase as well? Yes, you can. Um, I like the sound of uh, Becca Rothfeld has chosen um, oh. The Myers which is a realist family chronicle by the 19th century Portuguese master, José Maria de Issa de Quirios, or Quirios yeah. who was uh, much lauded in his lifetime, she points out, and he, he's, he's supposed to be like the the Portuguese he's, novelist. He's you the, probably know more he, about him. I do a bit. He's you por- actually know something about that. I do. He's, a por- he's the Portuguese Dickens, yeah. um, he's often described as. And actually, I, 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 I had noted down Becker's choices because yeah. I've, I've, I've got three of his books at home. Have I've read really? none of them. Read none no. of them. Oh, right. But okay. I've got three this of them. Might be the year. And I'm, I've, I've been waiting for that moment. To, well, Zola, to according and... to Becker, said he was far greater than my own dear master Flaubert. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it you know, he's meant like to be absolutely wonderful. We ran quite a big piece on him about a year ago. Yeah, Portuguese I remember that. sounds like the wonderful kind of intergenerational you know family saga that you just really want to get into and be absorbed by it's quite nice to find a a fiction writer that you've never heard of from another country who might have written five or ten books if you like one you you've got three of them i've got three of them i think i think quite a few have finally been translated into english i think there might be i don't know eight let's say i'm disappointed is anyone doing the the classic tls thing where they're going to read it in the original language i always like it when they toss off that particular uh, i'm reading (laughs) he hasn't told us whether he's reading shuangxi in um chinese I think he probably isn't, is he? I, I don't. It's great that. It'd be good if he was. Yeah, I, I think that's a good recommendation, Carla. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand this is the place to talk about new and forthcoming books. Yeah. But as for myself, I look forward to relaxed summer days spent calmly reading and savouring an ancient text I have just begun that is capturing me, Zhuangzi. I kind of admire that. I think it sounds. I don't want to steal his suitcase, though. Do you? No. Ros, whose suitcase are you stealing? Can I take a suitcase and a book? on luggage. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and, you're gonna mug. You're gonna mug two contributors and some hand luggage. No, can I take a suitcase and a book written by the suitcase holder? Oh, oh interesting. Yeah. Yes, you can. Can I? Okay, in that case, I'd like to say Emily Wilson's suitcase, please, because she's taking yes. Madeline Miller's Circe, Alice Oswald's Memorial, and John Crowley's Car, which all books I haven't yet read and have wanted to. Okay, before but, we go to mm. Emily Wilson, explain. So Circe, we had we had Madeline Miller on the podcast. Lucy, yeah, you we did. Yeah, and what did she you? Was you read the book? 
It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we actually extracted it in the paper. We did, yeah. yeah. And Lucy yeah. reviewed it. And we've done uh, everything you can <laughs> think of with yeah. that book apart from that. Do and why is it so good? What, what, cause is it, what's good about it? Because re- the retelling of myths in some ways is quite a hackneyed it genre. is, it is. I heard Hilary Mantel and Pat Barker talk on Friday at the Southbank Centre. How did you go to that? Yeah, I did. It was excellent. Was it? Did you see lots of TLSs being handed out? I, I did. You look like you didn't know. You went to the, your, your face went to the of, lie place I there. Saw, <laughs> I saw lots of TLSs in piles ready. Not being handed out. <laughs> oh. Being taken by um, one person. eager punters. Someone had put a few evening standards on top, which was oh, a, bit, no. a bit upsetting, so I went and took them away. <laughs> Good Lord. Anyway, at this talk, I think Pat Barker said, you know a myth has died when it loses its capacity to change the lives of others. And I think that's why these stories and these translations still work. They still have so much power. And there are lots in Emily Wilson's suitcase. So she's got Cersei. She's got Alice Oswald's memorial in which Oswald strips almost everything from the Iliad except the listed names of the dead and the similes, creating a piercingly vivid sequence of images. Do we think Alice Oswald's good? Do we think she's a good poet? Yeah. She often writes about water as well, doesn't she? There's a kind of watery theme to a lot of her stuff, I seem to remember. Yeah, which is sort of perfect for the sort of holiday I'm imagining. Sitting sitting by a pool. Okay. And John Crowley, who's that? So, John Crowley's car is an epic in a very different way, a long, episodic, strange book about death, storytelling and the history of the world told from the perspective of a crow. Brilliant. I mean, come on. Doesn't it? It's either amazing or it's awful. But When I first read that, I read told from the perspective of a cow. Also (laughs) interesting, but different. Less literary sounding. It's funny how how quickly that would, how how radically that would change (laughs) appreciation of the text as well though a a crow everyone's like oh yes of course majestic then and it's crow in his name as well interestingly john crowley yeah oh yeah there's something going on there and what of emily wilson's you want to take the odyssey i want to take the odyssey which which i think two at least of our contributors have recommended it's yeah it's the only one i think that's been recommended by two uh, has been recommended by diana dark And by Imogen Russell Williams. Yeah. I actually have read this book. Have you? Mm. What did you think? I liked it. I thought it was notable and laudable that it was the first translation of the Odyssey by a woman, which seems extraordinary that that's taken till now to do. It really does. And very faithful still. Yeah. Right, my, my only thing would, and it sold quite well, particularly in America, I felt it was going to be a book that was to be purchased but not read. Well, I've taken it on two holidays and not read it yet, but I I really want to. I think it's very good and uh, the style is quite convincing and I thought it was laudable. It didn't move me. Okay. But it's quite. I think the Odyssey is quite a hard poem to be moved by. The so poly- do, do you think it would, be, it would be purchased by people who would not otherwise be reading the Odyssey? Is that no, I, I think we'd be purchased by people who won't end up reading this Odyssey. Yeah. I think they'll be purchased by people who there's a certain virtue signalling around it. I think it's a good gift present to someone who did classics at university. Uh, and then when you read it, it's. It, I thought it was very good, but it's a long narrative poem where you know the ending. So I do one. I'm interested to know who picks it up and says... I think it's in blank... Is it in blank verse? It's in pentameter, maybe? I think so, yeah. It's in a, it's in a very structured verse. Anyway, I'm just interested in who genuinely picks that up and gets to the end of it. Yeah. And maybe you'll dip in and out of it. Yeah. But I'm interested whether you sit by a beach and think, OK, book one, and then you get to the polyphemus bit. I've, and... I've taken it as far as the beach, but then didn't, haven't yeah. started. OK, distracted. good selection. But you're, so you're, you're heading to the realm of myth. I am, yeah. That's good. Lucy. 
Well, uh, I, I want all of Ros's, so there we go, I'm done. <laughs> I didn't realise she was going to go for Sorry. all those. Well, no, what I'd like to do... <laughs> no, you were going you were no, to steal from multiple victims. I want to steal from multiple Riffle people, yeah. if that's all right. We should get to that. What we are you going to do? So I want, I want John Crowley's car as well, because yeah. it's told from the perspective, perspective of, a of a crow yep. or a cow. I quite <laughs> want to read Zhuangzi about Zhuangzi dreaming he was a butterfly and he didn't know whether... In the dream, he was a butterfly, or the butterfly dreamed him. I, I, I think that sounds beautiful. Where's that supposed? Who's telling me that that's in popular culture somewhere else? Who refers to that somewhere? I can't remember. So yeah, so um, this is Carlo Rovelli's. So that's still Carlo Rovelli's. Yeah. Uh, what is Chinese Taoism? Does anyone know? It's Tao. Is that Taoism? Yes. Why is we? Why have we said Taoism? Just don't know. Don't know. Is that one of those things that's actually the same when you transliterate it? I think so. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Let's let's go with that explanation. <laughs> go on. So a bit of bit shaky of... ground. So a bit of Emily Wilson, bit of Carlo Rovelli. Bit of Anna Katerina Schaffner, who chose Samantha Harvey's Western Wind, which I've heard is absolutely brilliant. A murder mystery set in the Middle Ages. This sounds right up my alley. Yeah, you see, it sounds this is, great, this is my doesn't it? Too. Oh. Um, yes. But we'll then her next one is the medieval bodies, life, death, and art in the Middle Ages, which we reviewed last week or we so. We did. And we talked to David Horsepool about. Absolutely disgusting. It <laughs> I don't really want to read that. <laughs> this is where menstruating women are said to create serpents. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. a form of contraception is, is to carry around a, a virgin goat's womb strapped to one or something. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, that works. Yeah. That which, which could work. <laughs> oh, no, that yeah. work. At one level it might work, <laughs> as a lady approaches the bed with a virgin womb <laughs> attached to their body. That might put... that might, yeah. <laughs> that might put an end to a the act of procreation. prophylactic. Yeah, indeed. Um, uh, can I also have... Go, oh God, go on, then. Well, you've ruined, you've ruined, ruined Roz's. You're about to ruin no, Toby's. No, I haven't. Roz ruined mine, okay. and I'm about to ruin Toby's. <laughs> yeah. I'd also like The Silence of the Girls. There is a lot of myth, a lot of Greek... Oh, I'm Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. What is the silence, of the, well. what's so the silence of the Girls? So Catherine Hughes chooses by Pat Barker, and oh. it's the Trojan War, so it's the Iliad this time, not the Odyssey, uh, retold from the point of view of Briseis. And Briseis is the, is the, the person who was not given to Achilles. Achilles Achilles is supposed to get her, yeah. and Agamemnon takes her, and then Achilles goes into a sulk and into his tent, his tent and unleashes the whole thing. Um, and and I love those stories. That's partly why I love um, Circe. Yeah. But it has to it has to be well done. You're right. If it's not well done, it's just a bit kind of what's the point of this? Is he not cheating a little bit? That you know, as a fiction writer, your job is to create new stories. Is it not cheating to just? But no stories new. Every story's already mm. existed. Really, yeah. I know what you mean. But it's so. I'm a bit suspicious. Are you suspicious, Toby's fiction no. editor? No. Um, no, I'm not. I think you can do what you like. All right. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> End of. Yeah, fine. You're the fiction editor. Uh, go on then, Toby. Are you, well, you, have, are my, you stealing Anna Kay? has been um, snatched along with other people's suitcases by, by Lucy because I, I was going to be faithful to this and just choose one suitcase and it was Anna Katarina Schaffner's so there's we've got we've, we've got the play by the rules yeah we've got the western winds um, have you heard a, of Samantha Harvey I've never yeah we, we yeah. reviewed it a few, few weeks ago and, and we gave it a glowing review and it's just it's not medieval murder mystery it's not the sort of thing I normally read and I was I was playing this game in the spirit of accidentally ending up with someone's suitcase and being lumbered with a couple of books that I wouldn't normally yeah. have on me and I thought that's the sort of thing that I could suddenly imagine getting into and then she's got this other medieval accompaniment which we were talking about bled torch and fetishised, she says, the medieval body served as a means to understand life, death, pain and beauty. Yeah. And it just sounds... Well, fun's not the right word, is it? But it's, uh... <laughs> well, I think it was fun, because it had, it, it had lots of stuff that we talked about with David Horsepool, which is lots of fun details. And I, I quite like the idea of that as, a, as, a, as an accompaniment to the fiction. And I don't know a great deal about 
you know, the medieval period. It's not a... Not I quite often read histories about it. Do you? Right. Yeah. We're going to get to our recommendations very shortly, but I'm going to steal Sam Leith's book, my bag, because... I would read a bit of the poem lyric side of me. Don't shake your head at me, Lucy Dallas. I would. Re- I'm interested in a bit of lit crit. And then the other thing is Deadpool, which I don't really understand when he even mentions it because he goes, I'm looking forward to reading the last two of the eight volumes, Axis and All Good Things, in Brian Possens and Jerry Duggan's run as writers on Deadpool. So these are comics. Yeah. And I've never really read a comic. And in fact, whenever I've tried to read comics, my brain can't process the information very clearly i never quite know which direction to read in and i'm and you see a big picture and the surrounding panels and i can't really understand the narrative drive of it apart from your beano days apart from yeah, beano is a sort of comic they're very different but these sort of graphic novels stuff i find off-putting so i thought it'd be quite nice to get into them because i seem to spend a lot of time when i'm doing front row going like marvel cinematic universe i've become very familiar with and it seems to be the only films that get made these days are basically versions of comics yeah. and there may be a point in sort of 10 years time where the only films that exist are backstories to the avengers because so you, we need to know the is this the new the new kind of taking of myth and respinning it then well maybe that's right because they they believe in it and people are wonkish about it people are passionate about it i found the new avengers film deeply annoying on the basis that it presumed that you were a member of the gang. And I hate clubby things as a rule, generally. And these pieces of culture that require you to be part of the gang and don't trouble to explain it to new people, I kind of find very frustrating. Yeah, I'm with you there. I I have much more problem with that than people rewriting myths. Because at least you you can get into it. And good genre writing, I think, even if you read the 20th novel in a series, there'll be five or six pages where even in the same words as they've done in the 15th, they explain who everyone is and they they welcome you in. And what happens in the Avengers movie, Lucy, you've seen it, I know, they're just whole characters just come in and go, hello, and you go, well, who are you? And no one bothers to tell you. But I know that charge is true, I think, actually, and they don't take enough time or care to explain it. But some of the other films are a bit like that as well. Someone will just turn up. There is, you don't always get 20 minutes of backstory. Someone no. turns up and you have to... Some of them you do, you get a whole film. But sometimes someone turns up and you have to work out what's going on. Yeah. So it's nice because it doesn't waste... Well, it, does, it gets there quite quickly. But then if all it does is introduce 25 people that you've got no idea who they are... Then that, that's not right. Well, maybe I should read. But Deadpool, you see, I think is is a slightly weird one to start with because that's very piss takey, if I may say that. Yeah. I of quite the, the Marvel film, universe actually. itself. Yeah. So in a way, you've got to know the Marvel people to know about Deadpool. And Sam Leeds says, if you like silly wisecracks, plentiful Marvel universe in jokes, and ye olde comic book ultra violence, these are bliss. Yeah. And if you don't, there's always poetry. Okay, we're going to move on to our recommendations. Roz, you are going to be heading off to pick up your children shortly, so why don't we start with you. Your either honest account of what you are going to take, what you might take, what you have taken, what are your chosen summer books? Well, I went on holiday quite recently. Not as recently as Thea, probably. Not as recently as Thea. (laughs) No, as recently as. You were away at the same time. We were away at the same time. Okay, not as frequently as Thea. important to get that right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, and I read Sally Rooney's Normal People. Oh, you did? I saw you tweeting about I it. I read it three times. 
Seriously, that's getting that's actually like getting weird. <laughs> this is just the only book just, you took. Just chokes on his drink. <laughs> yeah. just there. So, so it's out on September sixth. It's sort of a summer read if you go on a late summer holiday. Yeah. And I didn't intend to read it three times, and I took all sorts of other books with me. But I just read this, and I just—it's incredible. It's a romance. I think it's going to do incredibly well because you can read it as a regular romance. It's also messing with that genre so much. Also, usually romance books are kind of directed at a precisely like female reader. Yeah. This is not. This is for everyone. I mean, I know Toby loved it as it's, well. I think it's amazing. It's, it's an amazing book. Yeah. And um, we're going to try and extract it, aren't we? I don't think. I think. I think we might get second words. Oh really? Okay. We'll um, talk to, the, talk we'll to the lawyers. But the thing about the thing about it as well is I cannot fathom how she did it. And she that wrote, is fascinating. Because Sally Rooney wrote the first, her first so novel. She wrote she Conversations the Sunday Times, Friend. Yeah, Conversations Friend. Which is, which novel, is good, but it's, is not, also really it's, good. it's not as good. I don't think it's really good. Usually, it's good. I've enjoyed this one a lot more. And usually when you read a book, especially if you're reading books all the time, reading about books all the time, you're like, oh yeah, I see what you did there. I see who you're referencing there. And you start, the more you read it, the more you understand the structure. I cannot, I she, cannot fathom how she does it. And she that's what makes it brilliant. the reader, doesn't she? Throughout yeah. from the very first page to the last, yeah. she's always one step or sometimes two steps ahead. And, it, and you feel, you, 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 you sort of, you feel manipulate a bit in the best possible way exactly. as a reader. Is it bookery, do you think, next, next yeah, year's definitely, bookery? definitely. Definitely. Really? Okay. So, but it's also an enjoyable read to read on Which is after all the point of these Which things. Which is after all the point of these things. Yep. Any more? Well, I was going to say The Odyssey, and I was going to say The Science of the Girls. Oh, and Melissa yeah. Harrison's got a new book coming out called All Among the Barley, and I like, I like her. That's quite she? exciting. She wrote at Hawthorne Time. She's sort of a nature writer um, doing fiction, and she's very subtle, and it's a very quiet, calm, interesting place to be with her. So she's got a new one coming out. Lovely. Lucy. Sally Rooney was one of mine as well, but I haven't read it. No, I know, I know. I'm going to say something different, don't worry. Um, Something that I would like to read, and in fact I've got, and I'm going to read, is Codex 1962 by Sion, the Icelandic writer, which is sort of three books. Toby's nodding like he knows. He knows all about it. Does that mean anything to you? Not least because there were two copies. I nicked one of his. Um, And it's three books sort of in one yeah. it's they call it they call it it's been a work in progress for 25 years apparently and their blurb says it's a love story and a crime story and science fiction how brilliant you so, do love the science fiction I, I love all, yeah and all of that stuff yeah and and him he's just very he's very so good kind of he's very clever I don't know Nordic noir his other stuff no his other stuff wasn't like that at all he it, there some of it is sort of speculative fiction I can't really categorise it. Some of it's a bit mythy. Means What's the first one? Yeah. yeah, and the blue fox. Is it the and blue fox? That was mythy. Almost, isn't he? He started out as a poet yeah. and he's written lyrics for Björk, obviously. Oh, so, yeah. There's only like five people in Iceland, though, so they, they always have to. And just... they're all unbelievably talented. Yeah, and all yeah. on the football team. Yeah. yeah. Really and he's one of them. He's uh, centre forward, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and... That'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> it really would. But not entirely impossible. Isn't the manager a film director, I think? One of them I think works. one of them was. I think there was all the yeah the or the assistant manager or something. Yeah, there was. Yeah. There Go on. Other so things. Sally Rooney, which Ros has already done, this speculative Icelandic fiction. I would like to read this. I don't know whether I actually will read it, but I'd like to read Facing Gaia by Bruno Latour. But as a, a concession to it being summer holiday reading, I'll read it in English. How oh. about that? <laughs> Could you read it in French? Well, yes, I don't know. Could. I mean, yes, could, I know. Yes, you just could. say that. Yeah, yeah. No, it was published in French, but the English translations come out. And how big, quite a, how big a figure is he? He's very big. He's a f- sort of philosopher and an anthropologist and um, sort of sociologist, and he's he's all about networks. He used to be a, 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 a sort of an anthropologist of science and look at how scientists work. 
Uh, and oh, he's is very, he looking at the tribes of scientists? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's him. That's and he's all about networks and kind of worlds. And, and recently, and he used to get into lots of trouble because the scientists used to think he was not on the side of objectivity and that he was undermining them, whereas he always said, no, I'm not undermining you, I'm just looking at how you are built into the world as much as anybody else is. There was a kind of myth of pure objective science, and he was saying, well, science works like everything else, yeah, with funding, with relationships, with, you know, work, with all that kind of thing. And now he's thinking about climate change, he's thinking about the environment and about Gaia, you know, James Lovelock's yeah. Gaia theory, which is rather kind of feels rather outdated and like something from the 60s that nobody talks about anymore. And he thinks it's really, really important and really interesting and the only way to uh, think about moving forward. So it's, it's really, 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 really interesting. Can you do it in English, not French? Can I, I'm going to go lightweight and do it in English. Disappointing. Toby. Well, obviously Sally Rooney, which I'll reread a couple of times just so I can keep up with Roz. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even joking. Yeah, um, three times is weird. I mean, um, Roz is leaving now, but so we can, we can talk about her as she I, goes. <laughs> uh, but I appreciate this is a podcast, but I've brought in a prop and it's okay. going to make this noise. Whoa. And that Whoa. is the noise of... <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Yeah. That is the noise of the final Knauskar book. Oh. It, it weighs in at... I'm not bragging, by the way, I'm just moaning. Yeah. It weighs in at um, over 1,100 pages. Um, it's the sixth and final instalment of Min Kimpf, or, or, or uh, My Struggles, I believe it's translated as. And having read the first four, I'm actually only halfway through the fifth one. I, I, I have to finish it. I just it, Really? Be, and I, I went to see Knausgaard talk a while ago, a couple of years ago, and I remember him saying, because obviously it come, it's already come out in Norwegian Two or, two or three years previously, he said, uh, "This is the one that matters," and I thought, "Well, okay, you know." And whatever. how's it? What's the quality been like over the first five? Well, I'm I'm a f- I, I'm a fan, even with you know slight scepticism. I, I you know I, I think there are big flaws in him, and he's not necessarily the greatest thing ever. But I do think he's really really fascinating. And I thought the first two books were brilliant. And actually, I like the third book, Boyhood, Boyhood Island. It starts to fall away a bit after that. And he himself said that he, in, in the kind of in the later ones, in four and five, he sort of wasn't quite keeping his eye on the ball as much. But he said he sort of put everything into the sixth one. And, and what connects them? Is it, is it a... Well, it's just, I think it takes us up to the present day. So the, the, the first one starts with him as an adult dealing with his father's death. And then we sort of go back in time after that, especially in book three, Boyhood Island. Um, and I think this takes us up to the present day and speculates on politics and Breivik and, the, you know, that massacre and various other things and Hitler. I mean, I'm not really sure why I want to read Knausgaard on Hitler, but um, it, I just know that it's, it's meant to be the one that, that got the most excitement in Norway as well. So it just, it, it feels like it's, it's out this summer. It's out in August. And you're going to give I, it a I'm go. going to give it a go. And then I've also got... Um, uh, Paul Collier's The Future of Capitalism. Oh. The TLS is Paul Collier, although yeah. he does write for other people. And one of the reasons is it's, it actually started life as a TLS piece. Um, is it that piece? It's that piece. And on the back of that piece, he was commissioned to write this book. And I don't really read, you know, being fiction editor or whatever, I read a lot of fiction, but I don't really get to read a great deal of economics, especially no. economics that I can understand. Um, I find him a very clear... An you know, I found it very useful when I was writing my chapter on economics. Yes. He, that, that piece. And, you know, capitalism, I worry about it. Um, I mean, as in, um, you know, I worry about the way it operates. I'm not sure it's all going brilliantly well at the moment. And is this and, his and, theory of sort of maternal capitalism? Yeah. That's what the piece was yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. And, and basically, his, his, you know, his, his what the hell we're actually going to do next. And I, I find with these sorts of books, you get lots of diagnoses. You don't, you maybe get predictions, but you don't get many prescriptive books. No. That's very true. Books. Yeah. And I, I just think he's a very interesting thinker. So. Oh, I'm really pleased that because it was an excellent piece. I mean, when piece. it came in, it was a magnificent piece. Yeah. And, and it was one of those ones, you know, it, it, it makes you sort of, 
pleased for, for, for the jobs we do sometimes, which is, you know, someone read it, picked it up, said, right, this needs to be turned into a book. And you sort of feel like you're part of the conversation. And it's out of the name, so it's a big old publisher's taking yeah. it. Yeah, Lovely. Thea? Well, the reason I... Don't say Sally Rooney, otherwise no, it looks like No, the reason I lighted... <laughs> The reason I lighted on Ruth Skur's bag was because it put me in mind of La Bella Estate, which is the most wonderful short novel by Cesare Pavese, an Italian writer from Piemonte. And I thought, oh yes, okay, um, I'll I'll read my, I'll reread this this volume. It's it's three short novels put together, La Bella Estate being the titular one, um, and it's the one that he won the Strega for, uh, the Strega Prize in '49, just just before he then killed himself. And it's just a perfect, perfect book. And I thought, okay, best dig that out. And I couldn't find it. And then I went to a bookshop and I found this. Another prop for a podcast, well done. Which is just a beautiful edition. The Beautiful Summer. Yes, and it's translated uh, and it's very slim, so I can take it and that also leaves me room to take other things. But it is translated into English, so I'm quite curious to see Mm. how. Because, I mean, not obviously, I, I know that it can be translated, but Pavese was very... He had a real ear for dialogue and slang. He was really, mm. really obsessed with getting slang right. Yeah. And this translation is, I think it was, it's the first and only one. So I think it was done in the 50s, early 50s, by W.J. Strachan. So, I, yeah, I'm just curious to see how that how that will work. And it's just, I, I was completely seduced by its cover because it's just a thing of beauty. And it felt fateful that you were thinking about it. And it felt it and you, fateful, yeah, so I love, it, just, I love it, when it all came together. Yeah, and it, as I said, it's very slim, so that will leave me room for two other books. Go on. One of them is uh, Iben Andanti, which is this book that I've owned for absolutely ages and haven't read. Uh, it was published in the 60s, I think 1966, by, uh, by Carlo Ginsberg, mm. who uh, is an Italian historian. He's the son of Natalia Ginsberg. Uh, and um, Leona Ginsburg. And it's a study of the Binandanti, which are opposed to the Malandanti, which they're, they're sort of, they're people who used to believe that in, in 16th and 17th century Friuli, in, in Italy, this northeastern region, they used to believe that they could go to sleep and their bodies would, they would be transported to do battle with um, evil spirits uh, in order to secure the next harvest. So it's like witchcraft and agrarian cults. It's kind of fertility cults and things. Is this, it's, a, novel? Is this a novel? Or no, 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 no. It's a it's a historical study, but it's of a very specific region at a very specific time. And it's my it's my grandparents' region, and and I just I want. I've been if meaning we just to sat read down it for, for a hundred and written a hundred books that, that you might be taking on holiday, <laughs> I think. I don't think we'd have got to that one. A study of the Friuli region and agrarian communities' dreamlike battles to secure the harvest. I've yes. It, I've read it here. It's pretty good. Yeah. I would have guessed the Tuscan version of yeah. that, but Friuli. Yeah, Friuli. No, yeah. Friuli. I read it three well, see, times. That's where yeah. In the original. In the original. Um, okay, one more. Oh, well, so to balance that one out. Yeah. <laughs> Eleanor. Um, Alexander. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's absolutely. Clive wonderful. Stafford Smith did do. Yeah. yeah. He did recommend. No, uh, I'm going to take a new collection of short stories by, um, what's well, a debut, in fact, by Alexia Arthurs a Jamaican-American writer. Uh, it's called How to Love a Jamaican. And I've read a few of them already, and it just seems it will nicely balance out the Carlo Ginsberg. It's it's simple, which sounds like a criticism, but it's not. It's it's observational and 
gentle and there are nice pleasing patterns that start to emerge and mermaids here and there and oh. nods to Kai nice. Miller and, and it Audrey reviewed, Lord. And it will be reviewed in a future edition of the TLS. Not well by done, me. Terry. Not by you. Not no. by me. Okay. It's got mermaids in it. <laughs> Are you just checking? Have you yeah. forgotten? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, should I lower the tone with my choices yes, then? Yes, do. So I'm going for one book I have read for the first time this year in the summer, Cold Comfort Farm. Brilliant. Which I managed oh, to live 38 so years of my life. I've never read it. <gasps> Dude, you've it's got so to good. read it. Really. Something that's so in fact, well, I can't yeah. remember what you wanted to take, but it was yeah. all... Take, yeah. Cold, yeah. take Cold Comfort Farm. Yeah. It's so good. It's, it's so the book good. that gave us the Something Nasty in the Woodshed mm. as an expression, yeah. for example. But it's also it's a pastiche of... British provincial novels like Lawrence, which are full of sort of badly written sex, Freud. at one level, you can kind of say, oh, it's a pastiche. But it's just this beautiful story of a woman who goes to her country relatives and fixes everything. It's a kind of wish fulfillment novel. Mm. It's so well, it's astonishingly well written. It's funny, it's really charming. The nature writing is just, even the parodic nature writing is still good nature writing. So it manages to be both a parody and beautifully written, which is an almost impossible trick to pull. I think, and it's also it's supposed to be parodic, but I, f- I found it quite romantic at the end. Yeah, exactly. She, she kind of falls into the arms of a dashing pilot. I mean, she actually does fall into yeah. the arms mm-hmm. of a dashing Don't pilot, I think. As opposed to Mr. Sorry. Mybug. Yeah. But, but, uh, Mr. Mybug, who's a reviewer. Yeah. And so it's <laughs> entirely <laughs> mean about literary critics yeah. as well. You sold me. Yeah. I, it's hilarious. Toby, in fact, it's wonderful. Definitely I mean, take it. It's really short. It, it's like 180 yeah, yeah. pages. Make sure you do that. So I'm going to take that. Well, I've already read that, and I really enjoyed it. I, I was in a charity shop, and I got Agatha Christie's Poirot books. And I've only ever read two Poirot novels. And I thought, Agatha Christie is a good, brainless read that people have been reading for 80 years or however many years as an easy read. I've got my final Lee Child book, which was sent to me by the publishers. This is the short stories, no middle name. It's just a collection of short stories. The only Lee Child Jack Reacher book I've not read. And of course, I've just done a podcast with Sam Lee, who has written a piece in What's this week's paper. What's he going to paper. do after this? <laughs> what? Well, what's he's, he's the next Lee Child for you. I'm, I'm I don't a bit know. Worried. I have to wait every year. He yeah. starts no, writing at the same point You're going to have September. to do a kind of 10-year ten, ten break and then just binge on them. Well, look, if people listen to this podcast and you want to hear more about Lee Child, I talked to Sam Lee, who's written a piece a literary critical piece about Lee Child's Jack Reach novels uh, and we talked for half an hour about our favourite police procedural books, which, if you like that sort of thing, you might like. And finally, I'm going to take Mark Morris's The Norman Conquest because I've started reading a lot of medieval history. Uh, that's Norman Conquest and the Plantagenets and Edward I and Second and Third and things like that. So I, I spend my lot of time reading medieval history for reasons I can't entirely fathom, except for the fact that I did it for A-level. And so it's kind of a nostalgia relax. trip, is it? Well, I think I think there's a base level of knowledge hmm. that means it's nice to find out more. And so I've read enough at A-level to mean I know who William the Conqueror is and, and all of that. And yeah, so, I have a similar relationship with the 19th century from history A-level as well. Yeah. Kind of the European 19th century. I know what you mean about which that is quite, base level. Which is quite hard, the European 19th century, because it's, quite, it's all France and Austria making treaties all the time. Yeah, treaties and wars and, you yeah. know, resort But you want to go back to that, you want to go back to that yeah. period, I, I, I think. So, so life is less complicated. Reading is nostalgia. Is there any... That's all we... That's not all we do. That's not all we do. That's not all we do. We, we go to see space we, and stuff. Brave, Fears, bravely Fears. stride forward yeah. into the... No, we don't. Thea, you're reading... You're <laughs> nostalgic do. about Friuli and the 17th century. 
What could be more nostalgic than that? when I was at my that? best. Yeah. <laughs> she wasn't there. No. <laughs> Except I was. <laughs> I wandered yeah. there in the night yeah. to just check on the crops. Because you're a Benandante. <laughs> exactly. Well, not a Malandante. No. no well, Benandante's a good walker. Mm, and yeah. I am a good walker. But the Malandantes presumably <laughs> are the baddies. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Should we leave it there? Yeah. <laughs> sure. I feel we've covered a fairly broad range of books there. That's all we have time for, I think, this week. Thanks go to the TLS team of Lucy Dallas, Toby Lishtig and Roz Deneen. Make sure you are subscribing to the paper and this podcast. For the next two weeks, I will not be here as I shall be having a baby. Not literally, but I will, <laughs> will be party to a baby being had. <laughs> uh, Lucy and Thea, you're both taking over. Yes, yep, watch do, out. Indeed. do you know what you're doing next week? <laughs> yes, we're going to have Patricia Williams on to talk about... Um, eugenics past and present really in the US gloomy but interesting jolly old topic important important we'll look forward to that until then from Thea and from me goodbye deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.